Hello, hello, hello. Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Larry with the Black Financial Initiative. I got my brothers Eric and Terrence with me. We got a good episode here. I want to first thank everybody for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Continue to listen. I'm going to go ahead and pass it to Terrence. All right. What's up, everybody? So we are recording this episode in March. So everybody know what March is associated with, and that is March Madness. You got that right. March Madness. So we're going to bring some madness to you today. And we have a little bit of debate. You got to have you have me going up against Larry, and I'm not going to give you too much information. I'm going to let Eric give you the, a little bit of the details on that. All right, everybody. Uh, this is Eric. So what we have today are three topics that Larry and Terrence will be debating back and forth against each other. Yours truly will be the judge. So I feel like a teacher right now. I'll be grading them uh, on each uh, concept or items that they mention, and then at the end, I will determine who the winner is. After that, we'll head to other top, uh, sorry, after that, we'll go through and close it out. We'll mention the current events, all the normal things that we do, but we just want to have a little fun with you all. So to get it started, uh, let's see, what is the best way to invest? Let me head to Larry. All right, all right. So this one, this was a somewhat of a tough question for me because I, there's two ways I mainly invest is in real estate and retirement accounts, but I'm gonna go with real estate. All right, let's, let's look at why. So real estate, Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan, he says one third of millionaires net worth comes from the primary residence. So when we think about investing, a lot of times we just think about like re rental properties and flipping, but just investing in your house alone, that right there is um, your primary residence. That right there is an investment right there. And for a lot of people, that's going to be your biggest investment. Uh, let's look at the millionaire next door. They said 97% of millionaires are homeowners. So, you know, if we're, if we're looking to increase our net worth, if we're looking to become uh, millionaires, let's look at what millionaires are doing and they're investing in real estate, even if it's just their primary residence. Okay. So another reason why I like real estate as an investment is there's so many different ways you can invest in real estate. You know, you could do rental properties, you can flip houses and within uh, rental properties and, uh, excuse me, flipping houses, you have single family, multifamily, commercial. So there's so many different ways you can invest in real estate. And then you can invest in yourself and make money in real estate by becoming a, a wholesaler a real estate agent, a property manager. So that's um, some other reasons why I like real estate. Another reason is real estate has been around forever. People have been getting rich off of real estate forever. Unlike the stock market, um, investing in the latest tech trends or startup real estate is an investment that will last. Like I said, people have been getting wealthy off of real estate forever. It's stable and predictable. And, and here are the main reasons why I like real estate, honestly. There's different ways to get wealthy within real estate, within one property. So let's look at it. Appreciation. Uh, depending on what uh, website you look at, statistic that say a house appreciates, you know, three to five percent a year. When you hear all the time that your money works for you, when you buy a property, depending on the market, but most markets, uh, you, your house is going to appreciate. So just sitting there buying a house right there is going to appreciate over years and years and years. And an appreciation is just an increase in value of an asset over time. In that example, we're talking about natural appreciation where you just let it uh, sit. But also you have forced appreciation where you uh, fix the house up and, and you uh, make it appreciate by, by fixing it up. Uh, another way that you become wealthier making money in real estate is cash flow. When you're renting a property, your tenant is going to, they should pay for your mortgage plus more, um, all the expenses and everything. So the money you have left after uh, you pay all your expenses and your mortgage, that's cash flow. And for a lot of people, cash flow is going to be the, the biggest reason they want to invest in real estate. At the beginning, it might not be that much because you still have to pay for your mortgage. Um, but, you know, eventually, if you do pay off your mortgage, 
Think about how much money that is in cash flow right there. So that's another reason. In tax savings, we just had an episode with uh, Bradford. Uh, you know, he was a CPA attorney. And he went over, you know, different ways um, of tax savings. But the government chooses to reward and encourage real estate investors through favorable tax treatments. So let's look. At, let's just look at some um, deductions here. Larry hotter than a six shooter. Larry's <laughs> <laughs> coming out the gate with it. Hey man, hey man, hey, I'm I'm the best there is, the best of words, the best there ever be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, talking about okay, so business deduction must be an ordinary in the course of business, and a business deduction must be necessary in the course of your business. So I'm just gonna list a few business deductions that you get within real estate. You get mortgage interest, insurance premiums, property taxes, management fees, repairs, maintenance, HOA, and those are things you just really think about for real estate, but there's even more. So you have uh, marketing expenses. You have your vehicle and Bradford did a really good job on, on how you can use uh, depreciation deduction on, the, on the, one of our last episodes, uh, travel. So let's say, for instance, you live in Texas, you want to travel to California, but you want to use that as a, a tax write-off. You can, let's say, get a, go to a conference in California, make sure you have all your documentation, make sure you have all your receipts, but you can deduct part of that travel and still enjoy your time. You know, you, you do the, the conference for real estate, but then you, you do whatever else you do. You know, talk to your CPA um, to, to know exactly how to do it, but you can uh, write off a portion of your uh, travel to get there, you know, flight or driving. Uh, you can write off portions of your uh, meals, portions of your stay, hotels and whatnot. So, you know, family and friends, you can hire family and friends and that becomes a deduction for you. Um, and then depreciation. I would say in real estate, depreciation is the biggest, you know, deduction tax savings that you get. Uh, depreciation is an income tax deduction that allows a taxpayer to recover the costs or other basis for certain properties. Uh, like Bradford says, normally over 27 and a half years. And then, so that's the third. Um, and a lot of this information I'm getting, I'm sorry, is from rental property investments by uh, Brandon Turnin and also tax strategies for the savvy real estate investor. But the last um, way to generate wealth through uh, real estate is the loan down payment. Like I said earlier, your tenant should pay, that, should pay uh, at least the mortgage and more. So let's say, for instance, you, you get a 30-year uh, loan, the tenant, you put the, you know, let's say 20% down, you put 20% down to buy the house, and then directly speaking, it's going to be other times you got to pay, you know, repairs and everything, but directly speaking, you might not have to, uh, really have to put that much more money down because your tenant is paying down the loan. Your tenant is paying, you, paying the mortgage down, and they're paying the loan, and if you wanted to, you can wait 30 years and let them, uh, you know, now obviously there's going to be some vacancies in there. Chances are you're not going to have a tenant for 30 years, the same tenant. But, um, you know, but, you know, you might get lucky. But, um, yeah, so your tenant's going to pay it down, though, um, other than time where there's vacancies. Um, so your tenant's going to pay down your, your mortgage, pay down your loan. And then also, like we said, um, let's, let's look at an example. Let's say, let's say you buy a house. The house is worth $120,000, but you were able to get it for $100,000. The house might be distressed where you have to fix it up. That's why you better get a good deal. Uh, the tenant, or not, excuse me, the tenant, but the homeowner. Uh, might have a distress time going, something's going on with their life where they have to hurt them and, and buy, uh, sell the house, excuse me. So you might better get a, a loan. Appreciation is typically, you know, three to 5%, depending on where you look at it. So that house right there in 30 years, just, just your, and that, you know, just that one house, it, it could be worth $30,000, $300,000, and you only put $20,000 down for that one house. But over years, that appreciation worked for you. And think about this. You, now, let's say if you pay off that house, Let's say you decide, okay, I want to pay off the house more aggressively. I don't want to just wait for the tenant to pay it down. I want to pay it down aggressively. 
and um, that's something that me and my wife want to do because we want to retire early. Um, you get a few of those houses and you get in cash flow, you're financially independent. Eric talked about on one of the other early episodes about being wealthy. Wealthy for some people means that your assets pay for your, your lifestyle. Um, if you have low debt, then this real estate could uh, make you wealthy, you know, in that sense. That's why I say that real estate is the best investment. Woo, that was a lot. It's like a number one seed. <laughs> well, well, here comes the Cinderella, all right? <laughs> there we go. There we go. Like so, Larry, like come, come on. Real estate? Real yes, estate. I'll give you that. Real estate is, is good. That's a good investment. I like it. But who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? I'm, I'm going to tell you who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the people right now that need a little bit safer route. We, you're talking about real estate, and some people out here can't uh, barely able to pay for the rent, and you want us to go out and buy a house. I got ooh, you, but that's ooh. a little bit. That's down the road. We're going to start simpler right now, all right? You did all that talking, gave them the, all that information, filibustering, and, and you gave them the wrong information. <laughs> So I'm finna come correct. Listen okay. to me, people out there. Eric, go on and take notes. Okay, I'm on it. I'm on it. I like it. So, I like it. Uh, so I say that the, the best ways of investing, I have a couple of different uh, strategies for you, but uh, I can break up these strategies based on high yield savings accounts and diverse stocks. That's what I'm going to go with right now. So the reason I break those two up is they're, they're a little bit safer than some of the other strategies. So high yield savings accounts, they have high liquidity and low risk. And what I say by that is liquidity is the amount of money that is readily available for investment and spending. So you can tie your money up in a certain accounts, you buy a house or something, and it's going to be hard for you to get that money back. So if you get into some type of bond or some type of issue, it's hard for you to have that money available to spend it on something else. But if you put it in a high yield savings account, you can pull that money out just about at, at will. As far as it being low risk, get you one with the FDIC. That's where it's covered by the Federal Deposit Insur Insurance Corporation, which insures up to 250,000, I believe is what it is. Um, so if, if you big baller, big bank, and, and 250 ain't gonna cover you then go on and jump into the real estate but other than that you're probably not worried about them capping it out and insuring 250,000 if you are get you two or three bank accounts or savings accounts and now why a savings account a high yield savings account is so beneficial to you is because some accounts or you can do some uh, savings accounts at your typical bank or something like that they might not give you the same interest rates uh, accrued as a high yield savings account and, and that's beneficial because you want to make sure that that money that you're saving, you have up under your mattress or in a shoebox or whatever, it's, it's just sitting and going to waste. You're losing money. You're basically losing money to inflation, so to speak. It's not going to save you or make you anything. It's saving you something. It's not going to make you anything. What you want is the money to make you money as you sleep. And that's what a high yield savings account is going to do. It's not the most income you're going to accrue over a while but it's a safe bet. You're going to get something out of it. Let's say you get your account with 2% interest. Uh, that's much better than it having zero. So let's, and what I mean by that, let's say 20 years ago, you were able to get you a can of soda for 50 cents. Probably a little hard to find it right now. So if you save that 50 cents back then, 20 years later, you take it out, you try to spend that 50 cents, you can't get anything for it. But if you had that in a savings account, 
where you're accruing interest. Now, 20 years later, you might get you two or three soda pops. You might get you a case, a, a case of it. That's what I'm talking about. Why let it sit and go to waste when you can make money while you sleep? Now, what we're going to go into next is the diverse stocks. And what I say by diverse stocks, what I mean by that is maybe some dividend growth and blue chip stocks. So let me break those three down for you. Dividend, they are a payments that a company makes uh, to the share uh, shareholder for the profits uh, with the stockholders. So let's say you buy a stock. Everybody's pretty much familiar with buying a stock as that stock progresses or if it uh, is doing well, you buy it for a dollar, it can go up to a dollar, 10 cents, $2, $3, so on. Or it can also do poorly and it can lose money. You, you kind of gamble on it, so to speak, but do your research. But if you get a dividend stock, Every quarter, maybe twice a year, but it's usually about every quarter, uh, that stock, depending on how it's doing, they will give you a return. So, for example, and that's a return in addition to the, to the amount you're making off of the stock. This is extra income. We talk about making money while you sleep. That's what a dividend is. So you can double dip, so to speak. Um, so you can get a pay from your value of the stock and you can also get the pay from the dividend. It may be cash or it may be stock dividends. So if a company pays 20 cents per share as far as their uh, cash dividend, as an investor with 100 shares, you can get $20 uh, back basically off of their dividends. And that's not including however much that, that stock increased over that quarter. Now, if you're doing stock dividends, that's the percentage of an increase in shares uh, owned. So what I mean by that is if an investor owns 100 shares and a company issues 10% stock dividend, an investor will have 110 share shares after the dividend. So you started out with 100, um, you get a 10% increase. After a quarter, you now get 10 extra shares. So you're just going to steadily increase and improve over time with some safe investments, a safe strategy. I mentioned dividends, but I also mentioned growth and blue chips. So we'll go into the growth stocks. So companies are expected to grow their sales and earnings faster than market average. That's what a growth stock is. So they're, they're doing a little bit more right now. Maybe they have propriety, proprietary recipes or products that they're putting out, which means that they have a hold on something right now. And people are going to go to it and you see it growing and you see it developing and you're, you're going to come along, go along for the ride on that one. You're going to try to grow with them. So you invest in that growth stock. They're a little bit more expensive, uh, but they could be well worth it if the company continues to grow like you expect it to. So typically they don't pay dividends. Uh, and the reason they don't is because of that money that they pay out to the, the shareholders. That's money that they can be using to reinvest into the company and continue to grow. So they're not going to give you back you know, at least a ton of dividends. They're going to say, hey, trust in us. And instead of us giving you, you know, a couple of dollars or something like that, we're going to make this, this stock and this company go to the moon and you will then cash out at the end. So trust, not the, gonna, trust the process. Trust, trust the process. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you trust the process. So there's two methods right there. Dividends where you're going to get that money coming back to you on the dividends every quarter. Other one is growth where you're going to, plan on the company to continue to grow and you want to grow with the company. And the last one is blue chips. The blue chips are huge companies with excellent reputation. So they're large, well-established, sustainable, stable. Uh, they're not the fastest growers, 
uh, because they're kind of topped out, so to speak, but they're a little bit safer because they've already been established. So you have the brand leaders. Um, those are going to be your, your blue, your blue chips. They have a high market capital capitalization of about a billion dollars. An example of a blue chip would be Coca-Cola, Disney, uh, IBM, 3M, Nike, McDonald's. Those are some of the companies that are synonymous with what they do and what they provide. So for example, McDonald's, everybody knows McDonald's is worldwide. You think about a hamburger, you probably think about, and he's, he's sipping on his McDonald's right now. Go and invest in, <laughs> in McDonald's. You went and bought you a cup, you should have bought you right. a stock. <laughs> so Nike, somebody thinks about athleisure, athletic wear, you can simply uh, connect Nike with that. So those are the companies, those are the type of companies that are the blue chips. Now that stock has been there a long time. They've been holding it down for decades. So you're a little bit safer. Yes, they're gonna they're gonna have the ebbs and flows. They're gonna decrease a little bit over time. They're gonna go up over time. But you know that even though it has a dip, it's gonna come right back up. And at the end of the year, you might have a, a 2% return on that stock or whatever. You have a little bit more confidence in it. It's not as big on gambling. It's a little bit more reassured. And so the reason I say do the diverse stocks, because you have those three methods. One is gonna be slow. Uh, that's the blue chip but it's a little bit more guaranteed. Not, nothing's really guaranteed, but it's, it's less risk. Your dividends, they're gonna bring you back some money and the dividends can be the same as your blue chips because I mentioned that uh, Coca-Cola was a blue chip. Coca-Cola also does uh, dividends. And then you also have your growth stocks, which are a little bit riskier, but they can bring back money over time. So as long as you invest in all three, you kind of get your, you have all the bases covered. So you mix in that strategy with your high yield savings accounts, which is uh, safe as well, especially for my beginners out there, you're going to be able to safely build you some money over time. And then down the road, you can buy that house and invest in real estate, as my buddy Larry was telling you. But I'm going to help you get to that point first. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I see here in my notes, Larry looked like a number one seed, but I said the Cinderella came out strong. <laughs> The Cinderella hey. came out with it. Where so I'll go back. Yeah, for sure. I'll go back <laughs> to you, Larry. You only get three words. What are the three words people should remember about your topic? Appreciation, financial independence, wealthy. All right, T. What's three words? Our phrases, I'll give you that. Larry said financial independence. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. I was going to let him slide with that. I, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to be petty. We, we still going to shoot from, from deep. You know, we still. You came on a spot, man. <laughs> All right. My three, my three. I'm going to go with safe. Ooh, let me think of the other two. Let me think of the other two because we're coming strong out here with this strategy. Steady long, steady wrong. <laughs> safe we're gonna go with interest because because you want to make that interest that means it's making money for you All right and and growth because that's what it's about we're we growing with this strategy i could have right. i could have thrown out balling because that's what you're gonna do <laughs> oh, i like it i like it i like it all right heading to the second topic since uh since you got the best way to invest, part of that way of investing 
Um, and Larry's mentioned it before, we've all mentioned it, is paying off debt. So what is the best way to pay off debt? And I'll start with T. Oh, man. So I like this one. I came up with a lot of different ways on this one. Uh, but I'm not going to go through the whole gamut, the whole uh, list. I'm going to pick out just a few to help my people out there and shut this down before Larry even has a chance to breathe on it. <laughs> so <laughs> the first one, and this is the basics, and this is why I'm going to come out with it, is budgeting. Simple. How can you make money or save your money and, and pay off your debt if you don't have a budget, if you don't know how much is coming in and you don't know how much is being spent? That's the basics. That's, so if you have your, your credit cards, we talked about this in previous episodes. The problem with that credit card is that people are letting you spend money that you don't have. And you don't know how to keep track of it if you don't have a budget. So let's say, I don't know, 5,000, 10,000, um, 20,000, whatever they're going to let you, they're going to let you put on that card. And you say that, oh man, I'm good for 20,000. Well, you don't, you don't have but five in the bank. So don't, don't get ahead of yourself. But if you set a budget, you can uh, put a cap on that, even though they're putting a cap at 20,000, you know that your cap should really be at X amount. Because you get into problems when you spend more than that X amount. As far as the budgeting, it's simple too. It's an easy way of doing it. That's why I say we start with the basics because it's something that can help you build momentum. And you can start with uh, the budget with something like uh, financial tools like mint.com. Or you can download apps. Or you can also make your own spreadsheet. Anyone out there that's uh, savvy with Excel or with Word documents, Eric, I know you are. I know you know how to pull out the spreadsheet. <laughs> Another simple way, if you really want to start with the, with the basics, and this is how I started. I used a journal. I would document uh, how much I had coming in, how much I was making every week or two weeks, however, however often you get paid. And I would record everything I, I bought. I would keep my receipts. I would write it down. And at the end of the week, I would assess and say that, hey, I'm spending too much. Or at the end of the month, I would take a look at it and see how much I saved throughout the month. And that's a, the best way of, of paying off that debt because you know how much is going out, how much is coming in, and you know where it needs to go to. Another one is, and, and, and pardon my French, but I'm going to say F the Jones. F <laughs> the Jones. Forget them. We're not worried about them. They don't mean anything to you. So, for example, what I mean by that is, is people get caught, caught up in spending money because they're trying to keep up with what other people have or what they see other people do or social media or whatnot. And if you're trying to chase them, you're not going to chase uh, paying off their debt. You, you're going in the wrong direction. <laughs> so, for example, my wife and I, we went on a walk yesterday just trying to get outside, uh, loosen our legs up a little bit. And we saw all these, you know, a lot of nice houses on, on the different neighborhoods as we were walking down different streets or whatnot, just kind of exploring the neighborhood. And there were some really nice houses. But you got to always stick to your plan. Not, not once did I see these houses and be like, oh, man, I need to, uh, we need to sell this house and go buy something <laughs> like what they have. That's unnecessary because we have our own plan. We know that if we spend X amount, that we can buy something else down the road and it'll help us stay out of debt. And that's the thing. And even if you are in debt, 
if you then adjust your own plan and you're not trying to keep up with someone else's plan, follow their same routes, then you know that you can pay off your debt after a while. Long term, you got to stick to your plan. No one else's name is on that paycheck, credit card, or on that collection agency's file. So you make sure that you worry about your own and your family's payments and long-term plan. You can't worry about the Jones effort. Mm, I like it. I like it. So Larry, what, what you got? I, I mean, I have more I could have went with, but. Oh, he I, said I, he I, let I, you I, off easy. I, I want it to be competitive. You know, I want the, the viewers, the listeners out there to, to get the best. Um, I don't want them to just get, get swept early. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, like Ric Flair said, to be the man, you have to beat the man. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! I like that. <laughs> All right. So debt cannot win with him. Can't do it. All right. <laughs> to to All quote right. the great uh, Singletary, exactly. Mike Singletary. Can't do it. All right. So, so I'm going to go with what with, with I've used, uh, the baby steps, Dave Ramsey. You know, if you've listened to our episodes before, you probably heard that me and my wife and my wife and I paid off $111,000 in 15 months. So I'm, I'm going to just talk from experience. Uh, it's not easy, but it's doable. You have to have gazelle-like intensity. Like uh, Terrence said, T! Like Terrence said, you can't keep up with the Joneses. Uh, have to live like no one else so you can live like no one else. So let's get into it. Baby step one, start an emergency fund of $1,000. Dave Ramsey says that needs to be fast within a month. Uh, you can sell items. You can get a part-time job. Um, and like Terrence said, you need a budget. I'm not going to go over a budget because Terrence uh, went over a lot about a budget. But pretty much a budget is just telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. When you, when you have a budget, let's look at what you're spending money on. Um, I, I, I guarantee this is probably somewhere you can cut back money on. If you eat a lot, don't stop at a restaurant on the way home when you have food in the refrigerator. Dave Ramsey would say you won't see the inside of a restaurant unless you work there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You know, clothes in this time when you're paying off clothes, excuse me, when you're paying off debt, you know, unless you actually need, absolutely need clothes, you know, for like work or something, you know, don't buy any clothes right now. Consider cutting cable uh, subscriptions that you aren't using. Cut them uh, right now. Don't don't go on vacation. Eric right now is drinking some look like he's drinking some coffee from McDonald's, you know, make some <laughs> coffee at home. You know, you know, save save a couple of dollars making yeah. coffee at home. Or, you know, you I'm, know, I'm guilty. It. We got a coffee maker in there and everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I broke Larry's sacred code. I, I did it. Exactly. You know, and then McDonald's is cheaper than Starbucks. So definitely, you know, Starbucks, a lot of people go to Starbucks. So don't don't go to Starbucks if you have, you know, a lot of, a lot of jobs, they have coffee at, at your job. So, you know, just get coffee there. And then also I recommend for that uh, emergency fund, putting that money into a savings account. Something that is liquid. Mm -hmm. um, I believe Terrence said something earlier about being liquid. Something that you can get to get too fast. You know, Murphy's Law is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So you want to be able to get to that money fast. Uh, don't look at it as an investment. You know, just look at it as a savings account and, and something that when you need it, you know, you can get to it real fast. And then let's get to actually paying down that money, paying down that, that debt. Baby step two. All right. Um, list all your debts uh, other than your house, smallest to the largest. Pay the minimum amount on all the debts except the smallest. Any money found in your budget goes towards your smallest debt until it's paid off. Like Dave Ramsey would say, use big, hairy payments. We're not worried about what has the most interest rate or anything like that. We're, we're paying it all off. So just, just, just get to paying it off. Uh, the thought behind this is you get quick wins and build momentum. You know, when you get those wins, you, you, you get encouraged. 
uh, you get motivated and you see it's working. So, you, you know, it, it makes you continue to keep on paying off your debt. You know, once you pay off the, the smallest debt, uh, you use that same momentum, that same strategy to pay off that second debt and just continue the snowball and just rolling, rolling, rolling. And then continue this process until all your debt other than your mortgage is paid off. Once you finish the emergency fund and you start maximizing retirement account, uh, and if you have kids, you know, uh, invest in a college funding, you use that same intensity and those big hairy payments to pay off your mortgage if you have one. And like my friend Stephen A. Smith would say, stay off the debt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so if you don't mind, I'd like to point out one other thing to, to the people out there, maybe two, but uh, you mentioned paying off that debt. For everybody out there, make sure you, you try your best to pay more than the minimum on the debt. You got to beat the interest. Yeah. What I mean by that is, is a lot of time if you're taking out money, or if you have a loan or something, there's an interest tied to it. So the longer you have to pay on it, five years, seven years, whatever, you got a house, 30 years, there is interest accruing every year, every day. So beat the interest by paying it off as, as soon as possible. And also sell your unwanted and unused gifts and, uh, and household items. If you don't want it, you can't use it, you don't need it, then, then you can probably make some money off of it. Someone else might have uh, a use for it. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Go ahead and get some benefit out of it. Get some money back and you can then use that money, flip it and, and pay off of a, a debt. So I just wanted to, to add that for the people out there. And that's, I think that's a wrap. Another thing I'll say, I'm yeah. oh, sorry, Larry, you can go. And also last thing I'll say is, I think you mentioned credit cards as well, but do not use credit cards in this time. You can't, you can't uh, pay off your debt by getting in more debt by using your credit card. So, and that, that's all I had to say, Eric. Okay. Um, and I was going to say too, that learn how to calculate your interest, you know, whether it's credit card, house payment, car payment, whatever, Learn how to calculate the interest. You know, that'll give you more, more knowledge on how all this is done. Um, so that'll, you know, make it easier down the road. You'll know things and you'll know because you know how to calculate it. It'll make you more informed on the decisions that you will choose. But I like that one there with the whole uh, with the whole paying off the debt. I think they both had good things. I kind of got that one to draw, but I got to go into my notes afterwards. But we'll head into number three right now, which is a real big topic. Uh, with number three, well, uh, the question is, what can uh, our community, the black community, what can we do to shorten the wealth gap? And I'll start with Larry. Invest. And when I say invest, I don't necessarily mean invest in real estate. I don't necessarily mean invest in a stock market. You can just invest in yourself, learn a new trade, uh, you know, go to school. Um, you know, statistically speaking, when you go to school, you earn more income. But I'll get into it later on in here you know, let's make sure that we actually are earning more income when we go to school, get a return on our education. But let's get into it, though. So let's look at debt real quick. We just talked about debt, so we're not going to get into it too much. A study by, uh, from debt.org says that um, white people have about, about $8,000 in credit card debt compared to black people, about $6,000. So we see actually in credit card debt, according to this um, statistic, black people actually have less on average than, than white people. Now, though, let's get into student loans because, you know, obviously student loans are all over uh, media right now. So it's a big deal right now. Blacks on average have actually $7,400 more in student loans than the average uh, white family, you know, someone who's went to college. So we see that black people actually have more student loan debt 
So you know, as far as debt goes, we have less call, uh, excuse me, less credit card, but we have more student loans. Now this statistic here I'm about to give you is just going to be crazy right here. This is from MarketWatch. I believe it was in 2018. It says 12 years after entering college, white men have paid off 44% of their student loan balance. All right, cool. White women, uh, their share drops to 28%. All right, cool. Black women's loan balance grows 13%. Crazy. Black Ooh, men, wow. their balance, yes, black men, their balance grows 11%. Now, I don't know exactly why that's happening. Pretty, that's very alarming, actually. One thing, and I'm sure we all went to school and we saw people getting degrees before. And, I, and I'm not saying this is the reason why it happens, but it might be a small reason why. Uh, you know, some people got degrees and be like, you know, I don't know if you can really make money with that degree, you know, but so let's look at this from PBS.org. Over time, low paying majors affect economic prosperity. There's a $4 million difference in earnings between a four year degree in early childhood education and petroleum engineering, excuse me, over an entire career. Black students uh, are overrepresented in service oriented fields, humanities, education and social work. One of the lowest paying Majors come uh, common among African Americans with a bachelor's degree is early childhood education, and the median early earnings is thirty-eight thousand dollars annually, compared to sixty-five thousand dollars for computer science, the lowest among high-paying majors for African Americans. So what the statistic is saying is we're going to college, but we're not getting a return on our on our um, on our loans because we're getting careers that are not making money. Now I understand, like for a teacher, like we you know we all love teachers, so I'm not saying don't become a teacher. Chances are, if you became a teacher, I'm sure you obviously you want the money, but you also love what you do. You love being around children. So just think about that, though, mm -hmm. when we're going to college. Think about have a plan. Bradford, actually, he talked about in, in our last interview how he went to college. He had planned on getting an MBA, and then he kind of pivoted once he decided, this is not what I need for my career. So that's what we need to be doing when we go to college. Let's figure out what we need to do in our career so we're not just getting you know a lot of money out on loans. So that's, that's one thing right mm -hmm. there. So when we invest in ourselves going to college statistically you make more money but let's make sure we are actually making more money and then another thing is millionaires invest in the stock market so that's what we want to do we want to build our wealth so hmm. uh, our, the wealth gap the wealth gap shortens. <laughs> hey i already told you at the beginning <laughs> so there, there are two there are two main ways i invest i invest in my retirement accounts and i invest in real estate so i i'm, I'm all for the stock market we had to choose one answer though so millionaires invest <laughs> in the stock market so um, look at uh, the book, The Millionaire Next Door. They said, on average, we, we invest nearly 20% of our household realized income each year. We hold 20% of our household's wealth in transactions, securities such as publicly traded stocks and mutual funds. So that's that from the book, Everyday Millionaires. 79% of our millionaire reach millionaire status through their employers' sponsored retirement plans. So we're talking about like 401ks. Um, you, you know, they're talking about 401ks and, you know, maybe pensions, but also you can uh, do IRAs as well. So you don't have to be Warren Buffett or Peter Lynch to just be a great uh, person that's, uh, picking stocks. You can just put it in your in your retirement account, your 401k, just let that, that money accrue over years and years and years. And then if you, if you do it consistently, um, you very well might become a millionaire. Obviously, you have to look at your debt, debt as well. Um, so look at this here. Only about 33% of black households own stocks in 2019. Okay. White families ownership is nearly 61%. Look at this statistic right here. The S&P 500 has 260% returns over the last decade. So you put your money, like, like Terrence said, Terrence made some great points. You put your money in some stocks that, you know, um, it could uh, follow the index. 
and then you're making money. You know, you, you don't have to, like I said earlier, you don't have to be the, the best stock picker. You know, just put in some stuff that followed index and you're, you're good. You know, look at, let's look at another uh, statistic right here. Among middle-aged families, which are most likely to have retirement accounts, 65% of white families have a 401k or an IRA, something similar. Uh, black families only 44%. And, and we know there might be reasons we might have jobs that they don't provide 401k. So, you know, we don't have all the answers. I'm not going to say, for instance, I mean, for sure, this is what you need to do. Um, everybody's situation is different, but just some information out there. And there might be a reason why um, there's only, according to statistics, only 1,200 black financial planners in the U.S. You know, a lot of times we like to talk to people who look like us. Um, we want to talk to somebody who we feel more comfortable with. Um, there's a total of 87,000 total financial plans, according to statistics. We're, we're not well represented in that, in that field. And here, here's just a calculation I did. This is on bankrate.com. Um, this was an IRA calculator. If you invest $4,000 a year from the age 25 to 59, you will have over a million dollars in your retirement account. So, you know, most people, that's what they think about around six years old or so to retire. And that, that's a little three, uh, $333 a month to invest. So for some people, that's going to be hard. For some people, it's not going to be so hard. Um, but, you know, just some information out there, how to become a, a you know, a millionaire or at least have a million dollars in your retirement account when you retire. Let's look at also investing, investing in your real estate. I'm not going to go into it too much like I did before, but, you know, we're not even going to talk about rental properties, flipping houses. We're just, just your primary residence. So according to Millionaire Next, millionaire next Door, 97% of millionaires are homeowners. And we talked about earlier about appreciation. You just, um, you just let your house uh, appreciate over years, depending on the, the market. And I mean, you're, you're in good, you're in shape. In 2019, the home ownership rate among white, non-Hispanic Americans was 73% compared to 42% for black Americans. This 31 percentage point difference was the largest gap since the census time series began in 1994. So just, just invest, whether you invest in yourself, uh, get an education, and even if you don't go to college, you know, you can read books, uh, learn how to invest in the stock market and learn how to invest in real estate. And then, and then actual invest, invest in the stock market, invest in real estate, but you know, we just need to invest. So that's, that's my answer. All right. All right. This is good stuff right there, Larry. Good stuff. I like it. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it too. You like it. I love it. <laughs> uh, but, but unfortunately, Larry, uh -oh. I'm gonna have to shut you down right here. It's nothing personal. It's nothing personal. It's just business. All business. It's all love at the end, baby. It's all love. Larry, uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to address our listeners out there. This is such an important topic. It's not even about you in this debate right now. This is for my listeners. I'm going to slow it down and educate. I'm going to educate right now. Okay? So listen up, everybody. We're going to start with the basics on this question. The best way to close the wealth gap. First thing, what are we talking about with the wealth gap? So wealth is adding your net value of each family's liquid and illiquid, which we talked about liquid earlier, liquidity, but the uh, family's liquid and illiquid assets and debt. So we're taking the whole thing and we're going to subtract the debt from that and see how much money your family has. Because you might think you have some money, but you're not taking into consideration that you actually owe some people money. <laughs> and when they come calling, when they come knocking, you broke. <laughs> so we're we going we gonna to break that down real quick. Now, a couple of stats for you. This wealth gap, which we're talking about, it grew from $100,000 to $164,000 from 1992 
2019, the, the median, the median gap between black Americans and white Americans. That's what that, that gap is. That's why we're asking this question. That's why that gap is why that question is so important. From the Federal Reserve's 2019 survey of consumer finances, which was released in 2020. So this is recent. White families median wealth is 188,000 compared to guess how much for blacks, $24,000. That is a shame. That's our, that's our median wealth for families in 2019 for black, for blacks was 24,000 compared to the median of 188,000 for, for white Americans. And the reason we're going to use the median is because the mean, the average can be misleading, but that is a huge difference right there. And to see that increase over the last 20 years or whatever, it's, it's been increasing and we need to decrease that. So over a lifetime, blacks make $1 million less than white, our white counterparts. And I'm not making this stuff up. I just told you this was cited in the Federal Reserves. So when you go to a website and has that .gov, not .com, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. That's where we're pulling this information from. And what I'm going to tell you is that it starts with financial education, financial literacy, and access to capital and resources at home and in our communities. That's where we started. That is how we close that gap. So we, ha we have a saying. I'm, I'm from the country. We, we have a saying. Or somebody will, will do something and you try to help them and they say, oh, I got it or, oh, I, I know that. No. If you knew better, you do better. All right. And right now we, we're not doing better. So that's why education in our communities and at home is the key. Because if you knew better, you would do better. And right now, a lot of us don't know. And that's why this podcast got started. So to answer this question, we go right back to why we initiated and started this podcast in the first place. Mm, bring so it back around. We're going to bring it right back around full circle. We, feel, we felt like there was a discrepancy and a lacking and a gap in our financial literacy and education. And we wanted to help inform ourselves and all our listeners out there. And we wanted to bring you along on this journey as we learned and we grew ourselves. And we're hoping we can make an impact in our communities by doing this. And the reason we knew it was an impact is the reason we started this podcast. That's, that's why, and that's, that answers this question. So we talk about systemic racism but the bigger picture is systemic financial illiteracy. We bring up white privilege, but the conversation needs to be on black disadvantage. We're not worried about white privilege, about what they got. We're worried about how come, what can we do to get it? And what are the hurdles we need to knock out of our way to get there and create the quickest and straightest path to get it. And we have to find that out through our education and informing each other. Only six states require personal finance courses for high schoolers. There's 50 states in the union, baby. Only, only six of them are requiring you to learn something about how to invest your money. Mm -hmm. So per a Cali-based nonprofit, I say Cali, California, nonprofit Next Gen Finances report, 
They say schools with population of 50% or more black or brown students, only one in 22 is required to take such a class. One in 22. So only one in 22 is gonna get educated on what to do with their finances before they leave school. Now, we've talked about um, different books in the past. One of them is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And one of the topics in that was he, he discussed education and how education, I mean, education of finances, uh, financial literacy, and how it really isn't talked about in school. And I'm bringing you that information right now. And where it's taught it is at home. And what our problem is, is that we're not having those conversations at home. You're not having it at school, so where are you going to get it if you're not having it at home either? Nowhere. That's the problem. So in, in our counterparts, white neighborhood, white neighborhoods or households, they kind of going back years and years and years, we're talking about the system, systematic approach. They already have, some of them already have family members or whatever that, that own businesses, maybe their parents uh, that have stocks. And what they do is pass that information on. As part of that system. Now, if you grew up in a household where you were redlined back in the day, your folks didn't really know how to go about getting the house, your folks didn't know about stocks, and they're not educating you on it, or they're not, at, not educating their kids on it. And that's where we have that problem. That's where that lack of education and financial literacy in the household and in the community is. So what I encourage all of you to do and take this lesson is you have to have the conversations about your finances, your earning potential, your income, your investments, or your debts, and your financial troubles. Whatever it is, you need to have that conversation and make, make your family, make your kids aware of it. Because maybe you don't know what to do with your money. Maybe you haven't necessarily learned. But what, if you can't learn what to do or teach someone what to do, you can teach them what not to do. Because your kids might be watching you and you spending this money and you, you're getting these payday loans um, and they think you're doing just fine and they're going to follow in your footsteps. But you let them know that, oh, yeah, I got the payday loan, but I'm I, I'm still broke. <laughs> you you got to be candid. You have to be candid. Sometimes it goes beyond having that conversation with your family. It can go into having that conversation with your friends because that's how we're going to educate each other. We have to know, well, who's doing what? Who's capable of doing what? How can, okay, that's how you made money. Maybe I can make money that way too. We have to educate each other and, and educate our communities. So Dr. Clyde Anderson, who's the author of Poweronomics, The National Plan to Empower Black America. That's one of the things he focuses on is education in, in our communities, uh, not just in your household, but in your communities. And that's why we, we say communities instead of neighborhoods, because you can go to a lot of neighborhoods and the neighborhood be jacked up. But, but if you have a community and everybody is on the same vibe, the same wavelength, and you're supporting each other, that's how you can build. So a lot of Black communities, we're not pulling our resources together and keeping them internal. We want to leave outside of our community and our neighborhoods, and we'll spend it with, with someone that doesn't look like us. So... That's why I say we have to start with the education uh, and getting that capital within our own neighborhoods and schooling each other. Because, and that's where the focus needs to lie. It's, it's us trying to build on each other. That's why you have all these other minority groups that come in and their focus is not on uh, trying to get resources from, from a white counterpart or something like that. Their focus is in, oh man, we already have this business model that we know is correct in our own 
ethnic group and community is like, well, we know that black people will buy all these hair products. So I'm going to go into a black neighborhood and, and put up me a hair beauty salon or something like that. And then all my family members are going to do the same thing. We're not educating ourselves to say that, hey, this is what's working. We all need to do the same thing. So that's why I say our education and sharing that knowledge with each other in our communities is what's going to really get us out of that, uh, that deep crater uh, that we have as far as that wealth gap. Education? Education? Education. <laughs> education. We're, we're Educa supposed to be talking about investing, but we're talking about education? <laughs> we're, we're, oh, we're, Alan Iverson. <laughs> and no, 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 that was, I, just, I had to throw that in there somewhere. I'm sorry. That was very good, though. Terrence, that's very good. I ain't gonna lie to you. I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> Playoffs. Play right. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. So, my dad, dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, that was good, man. I, I think everybody enjoyed these conversations. I forgot to do this for the second one, but I think for this last one that you all just did, what's three things that people should take away? I'll say the whole. Items, questions one through three. What are the three things? I'll give you another three words for the whole thing that you want them to take away from this. And I'll start with uh, with you, T. Well, of course, as Larry just said, education. <laughs> <laughs> education, knowledge, and investing. Okay. Larry? Okay. So I'm going to say appreciation. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say financial independence okay, okay. um that's three yeah. words you're done sir <laughs> well, I, I, I thought you meant to say phrases get off the stage get <laughs> and then i'm gonna say intensity you have you have to have the mind, mindset whatever you do you have to have that, that intensity mm. and that mindset so that, that's, that's like story, my, those are my three <laughs> all right so i guess i'm grading the winner and i'll go back over the notes that i've taken for each of them, uh, Larry started no, off. Oh, 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 oh. Let me slide oh, one, yeah. thing in, one thing in. So Larry mentioned that we, uh, as in uh, Blacks, have more student loan debt than, than white Americans. And said he didn't know why. I'm going to tell you why. It was because of that lack of financial <laughs> intelligence and mm. education. Because you can get, you can get a, uh, a formal college education but where is your financial education? You have a degree, but what are you going to do with it? Now, mm -hmm. if you, you're not learning that at school, you got to learn it in your communities at, at home. That's <laughs> why, sir. That is why. Oh, I see hey, T is you, punching you after the bell. Yeah, Eric, you can't put that. You can't. You can't yeah. put that in, in, in court. That would not be allowed in court. That was, yeah. <laughs> As a judge, I have to strike that comment. <laughs> Yeah, T's going to a 13th round. I can't have that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I like it, though. I like it. So starting off, I have Larry coming out hot in a six-shooter, as my granddad would say. I have him as the number one seed here. He mentions uh, real estate. Uh, he started quoting stats, talking about the millionaire next door. He mentioned different types of real estates. He mentioned cash flow. We all love them greenbacks. And then he started mentioning taxes, like all the business deductions. Um, and then here comes Terrence with the Cinderella. I called it a simple plan for the simple man. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, like uh, he had high, he talked about high yield savings and diverse stocks. Uh, he mentioned uh, high liquidity and low risk for the high yield savings, the FDIC. 
Um, inflation that you, you know, if you put 50 cents back, you know, 20 years ago, that's not 50 cents now. We talked about dividend stocks, said that they pay out normally every quarter, steadily increasing your income over time, or not income, but steadily increasing your value over time, investing in stocks. Talked about growth stocks and blue chips. Then we hopped to question number two, which was paying off debt. I had Terrence starting that one, and he talked about budgeting. The kind of credit card psychology, financial tools, uh, journaling your expenses on paper. He said F the Joneses. The F stands for forget about the Joneses. <laughs> you know, we don't we PG. keep it PG here at, uh, at BFI. But uh, he told us stick to the plan. And I think that's kind of what Larry mentioned, the intensity. Then we had Larry come in. Larry just kept it simple. Said, hey, the baby steps from Dave Ramsey. He said, uh, baby step one is save your thousand. He mentioned several different ways. You know, cut out going out to eat, cut out all the Hulu and Netflix if you can, all different types of things. He even got on me. <laughs> Mention <laughs> my coffee. Real here, brother. Yeah. <laughs> said, make your coffee at home, Eric. I agree with him. Then he mentioned baby step two is paying off the debt. He said, start from low to high. Uh, I guess on all the high ones, you would pay the minimum. On the low one, you would pay more than a minimum. And you want to pay that low one off. And then once you pay that off, you do the same thing. You'll pay the next one off uh, more than a minimum and you keep on rolling. Um, I, for that one, I had Terrence. His, my thing with him was simple. And then Larry's, I said, baby steps from Dave Ramsey. Then we went into the last, the stretch. The last stretch is the, the wealth gap. Uh, I like what Larry said. Larry said, just invest, whether in yourself or in assets. Uh, he mentioned a lot about uh, college and student debt. Um, he mentioned some stats there, and he said uh, a lot of times it comes down to what field you pick in college, um, what determines kind of your outcome as far as monetary-wise. Um, he mentioned that he also invests in the stock market. Then he mentioned um, the investment of your primary resident, you know, just letting it appreciate. And I have my comment for his thing was invest and be wise. Then I have uh, Terrence. He mentioned on to talk about stats on the wealth gap, financial literacy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> education on why we started the podcast. He brought that on around. I did like that. I like that. I'm not going. Yeah, I like that. Like yeah. that. <laughs> real uh, recognized. Real. <laughs> he mentioned um, at home education, group discussions, and talked about the uh, community versus just the neighborhood. And for his tagline, I have educate yourself. So I'll go back over. Let's see. For number one, uh, I'll have to side with Larry. Larry came out too hot. He, I, I like I like T's playing, but Larry came out too hot for the viewers. He he was firing off. He had that <laughs> Larry Larry had that thirty clip in there. Right <laughs> a tat I like it. Uh, for number two, for that one, I went with Terrence. Cause he, you know, broke it down pretty simple. Said budgeting, baby, off the budgeting off the first top. He's like, look, budget. That's the main thing. Um, so I like that he kept it simple. So I have it one and one right now. Uh oh, here he goes. So this third yeah. one, yeah. this third yeah. one was This third one was hard. I, I wanted to do a draw, but I can't do a draw. I got to pick somebody. I went with Terrence. <laughs> Terrence, because he brought it back to the podcast. He brought. Once he did that, he kind of sealed his. He kind of sealed the fate. That was at the buzzer, you know. He hit it off the backboard, went in, called glass, and had to give it to him on there. But it was close. I like to invest in yourself, Larry. 
I think that's something that we miss a lot of times uh, in the process of talking about investing in stuff, like investing yourself, you know, with your knowledge and everything. Um, so that's what I have. I have a two one T T barely slid in there, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it to him. Congratulations, Congratulations Thank Congratulations, you, sir. Thank you, sir. Hey, and I want to say this real quick. That was Eric's opinion. You know, you know, <laughs> we, we, we may or may not agree, but you know, I, I, I respect it. I respect it. You know, how dare you, but... how dare you talk back to the judge like that? <laughs> uh, hey, Larry you know. trying to be an insurgent. He don't want to go with the, <laughs> with the hey. ruling. But now, no, comment but... on our social media yes, about who exactly. you think won. You know, comment on social media about who you think won, and uh, we just want to get the conversation going. And I'll give it back to Larry to uh, mention the black business of the day and the tip of the day. Yeah, like Eric says. Um, on our in social media, just comment under, under under the post. Say who you thought to one. You know, you don't have to give too much information if you don't want to, but you could just say Larry or Terrence one. You could or just say Larry one. But <laughs> all right. So let's let's look at the black business of the day. This is actually somebody who um who I've worked with before. He's a good brother. I'm just gonna read what he what he has. He says, "Attention DFW. If you're looking for a dependable, affordable, and trustworthy contractor, contact Browns and Sons Construction Company." providing any and everything from full home remodel, room addition, storage building, porch addition, fencing, and more. Call now for a free quote. His number is 972-532-1067. And once again, that's Brown and Sons Construction Company. All right. So here is the financial tip of the day from the friend of the podcast who's a financial advisor, one of the few black financial advisors we have out there, as we stated earlier. So he says, diversify for a solid foundation. Diversification does not ensure a profit or protect against loss, but it can help provide a smoother ride over time by reducing the swings in value. So when a single investment or asset class performs poorly, it's a disappointment, not a disaster. The foundation of your investment portfolio is your asset allocation, a diversified mix of stocks, bonds, ETS, mutual funds, cash, international, uh, et cetera. So that's the financial tip of the day. All right. For uh, the current events at this time, uh, in March, it looks like the, the Senate has agreed on the $1,400 stimulus checks. However, um, they phased it out. So the phase times are different. I think before you wouldn't get any money if you had $100,000, if your adjusted gross income or AGI was $100,000. Now they have changed it to 80000 it looks like. So if your AGI is $80,000, uh, you won't get anything. So basically, you have to come in below that to, to get anything but 75 and below, you should get the full check. Um, I don't know if they have agreed on the final, final details, but that looks like the final details as far as the stimulus checks. Also, um, interest rates on mortgages have started to creep back up. I don't think it'll affect the housing right now. It'll probably take a while for the housing market to react to that. But I mean, still, historically, they're still low. Um, so I think the housing prices will keep at it and keep going. And uh, I'll give it to shoot it back to Larry to mention our social media and close us out. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys. Continue to listen. Tell a friend. Subscribe. Check out our Instagram, our Facebook. I want to thank Eric and Terrence for this great episode here. I hope you guys enjoyed it out there on Instagram. Um, you can find us uh, just type in Black Financial Initiative. Same thing on Facebook. Just type in Black Financial Initiative on Facebook and, and, and you should, it should pop right up. All right. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. Peace. Peace.